This is the third of kind of a framework talk. We're, gonna, we're building a framework of uh, beginning to talk about spiritual gifts. Next week, we're going to begin to really dive deep into spiritual gifts, to talk about the spiritual gifts, to talk about what they are, to, to, to describe them. And then from there, we're going to start to build out some community time for the church to gather with what? With each other, if you think you have a specific type of gift. And that'll be coming. I'll build out a calendar for us. But today is the last of, of kind of just getting the, the foundation ready. So the, the first time we talked about it is actually the first week of the Purpose series, if, if you want to call it that, is uh, the Burdicks were here and they shared about calling, about being called, and you shared about being called. And what we're, what we're establishing is, is that each one of us, every single one of us who have said, I love you, Lord, I love you, Jesus, I want to follow you all the days, the following piece actually gives you tremendous purpose. And I believe, and this church believes, that you've been given a gift, a calling, and a purpose for your life, for the betterment, as 1 Corinthians 12, 7, for the betterment of the church, for the good of the church, to strengthen the church. And so then we talked a little bit about that. I gave a quick overview. And remember, I'm, I'm, I have so much influence from this book, Convergence. And if you want one of those books, we still have like five or six more copies. You can come grab one from me. I'll give it to you so you can kind of read along. And if you're reading with it, you'll hear words that I'm saying that are directly from the book. I'm not trying to take credit for him. It's been very formative for me to help shape my thoughts on spiritual gifts, but I've, I've dreamt about teaching the church through spiritual gifts and talking us through spiritual gifts because the only guaranteed power source that any of us have in operating in the church is when the Spirit of God comes on us and we work through that. So then last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is the power source. And when we encounter Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to us and we have we have all of the things that come from that. And one of the primary areas is character. And character is from the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And when we have that character, then our spiritual gift that we flex and muscle around the church is actually done in a way that's Christ-centered and Christ-like. Today, we're going to do the last kind of piece of, of that. And, and once again, I said, if you want to grab the Convergence book, it's a, great, it's, it's a pretty quick read, and it gives you a, a, a more exhaustive outline of what we're jumping into here on Sunday. And the next week, it's going to get fun, because we're going to start talking about all the things that we have been given. But today, we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are, well, I, I drew some pictures when we started worship. Spiritual disciplines, there's a number of them, and I'll talk, I'm not going to do, a, a, once again, I'm not going to do a, a, an exhaustive conversation about what spiritual disciplines are. In, in describing each one and how to use it. But the key is that spiritual disciplines are important. And they have things like study, gathering of the saints, assembling with believers. That's a discipline. It, it, you, know, you know how disciplined you had to be to get up this morning, have some breakfast, come to church. That's hard sometimes. It's hard for all of us. To, but gathering with the saints is a spiritual discipline. Silence or solitude is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice. And so we're going to ask three questions this morning. What is a spiritual discipline? Why is a spiritual discipline? And how is a spiritual discipline? And I want us to, to begin to, to think through what disciplines are, but they have a very specific purpose. When Christians speak about spiritual disciplines, they usually mean some sort of practice, some sort of regular uh, like event or a thing that you do that benefits your life as a follower of Jesus. 
And the primary thing is it produces fruit in you. Much, much like a discipline of like daily exercise. If you were to regularly exercise every day over a course of time, you would see some fruit from that. You would get stronger. You would get uh, faster. I remember the first time I ran in the last year. I hadn't run since like I was a little kid and I was running from someone. So I said, it's time to start running. And uh, I've been doing beach body. You know what beach body is? Anybody know what beach? It's like this, like, you. so I've been watching Sean T. Do you know that name? Sean T. Fitness. And I've, I've been doing T25. I was doing it in the basement of our rental house, uh, and, or the house that we rented. If I said rental house, it would be the house that we rented. And, like, the ceilings are low. So I'm like, and it, with, with, when you're watching the screen, they're asking you to jump around, and you're mimicking, and you're, like, doing all this stuff. And, like, like, that's just not enough. I need to do something more. So I'm like, sweetie, do you care if I get a gym membership? I found this place to go, and, and I'll, I'll use the treadmill and start lifting weights. And she's like, I don't care. You manage the money. I don't know how much money we have. That's exactly the conversation. I'm, I'm giving you complete insight into our life, which is not the right way to do it. You're supposed to share all that stuff. So I still am not very good at that. That was, if you take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so I go join this gym, and, and I go, I'm going to start running. And that's what I'm going to do today. And I get on the treadmill in my running shoes and my running shorts and my running shirt. And I start running. How, do you think, how far do you think I lasted? Just take a guess. What's that? 0.4 miles. That's pretty close. A quarter of a mile is as far as I made it the very first time I tried running. Now, I tried running at just enough to where I couldn't walk as the treadmill was pushing me. So you can walk at like a 3.5 mile per hour thing, but you get into that 4, 4.1, 4.2, 4.3, it's hard to go, wait, I can't walk anymore. I got to do something more than walk. And that's, I try to get to that level, right? Okay, so I don't want this story to be too long, but what ended up happening is I started to do that every single day, a little bit every day. The next day I went and I made it actually to like 0 0.4, 0 0.5, a half a mile running at 4.8 miles an hour. A half, a, like almost there. Okay, after, fast forward maybe three, four months, I've been doing this regularly every day, and everybody's asking me, are you losing weight? And yes, I was losing weight, and I was watching what I was eating, and all this different stuff. And I, all of a sudden, I'm like running at 5.1, 5.2, 1.5 miles, 2.2 miles, 3 point, and now I'm running 5Ks every single day. But it was these little steps each and every day to where it produced, over a period of time, probably nine months, some real results. The flip side of that is I haven't been to the gym now in like two and a half weeks, or three. I was sick last week, and this week has just been a busy week, and I haven't had time. I could have made time, but I always made time before. But, but now, if I were to step on a treadmill today, I wouldn't be able to do that. At my peak this last fall, I was, it was easy for me to run 3.5, 3.6, 4 miles. At like 5.2, 5.3, I was running 5Ks every single day. And it, it, was, not, it was not difficult. It was more bored than it was difficult. It would be tremendously difficult for me to do that now. Think of that. Now, now put that story, my little life I just showed in front of you, put that into your own spiritual context. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. I'm going to read it every single day. I'm going to go, 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 go. Now, if you were to take small incremental steps each day, I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going to study my Bible. study my Bible. Over a course of time, that would build and build and build to where you would feel like you're connecting the scriptures, you're learning the scriptures, you're knowing the scriptures. 
you take a couple of weeks off to go to Florida on vacation, what happens? Out of routine, you forgot everything you knew. That's how spiritual disciplines work so often in our lives. That's how they are. Now, what I want to say to you today, and to me, and to the me, because every time I draw the me up there, I'm talking to myself first. I don't want any of us to be discouraged by that. I don't want us to be frustrated by that. I don't want us to be disappointed in ourselves. I don't want us to even hold condemnation towards ourselves or feel guilt. There's a weight that we put on ourselves when we don't achieve what we think we're supposed to achieve as believers. And what I, what I want to present here today is what is the spiritual discipline, and here's how you're supposed to do it, and here's why you're supposed to do it, so that over a course of time, we just continue to make these little steps, these small increments, to where we're closer and closer and closer to the Lord. So spiritual disciplines, practices, are the guaranteed places of spiritual transformation. If you're one of those people who write things down, this is where you should write something down. Spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices are guaranteed places of spiritual transformation. We are looking within spiritual disciplines to get as close to God as possible. We are trying to get as close to God as possible. So when we look at ourselves as me... And we're digging into the scriptures. The scriptures are the word of, is the word of God. It is given to us. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his revelation to us. It's the story of what has, God has done from the beginning of time until the end of the age. And his story, and as we learn and read that, we grow in understanding of who God is. We're getting closer to God each time. As we gather with the saints, as we assemble with one another, as we come to worship with one another, not only are we giving our worship to the Lord, We're spending time with one another and encouraging one another. We are gathering together so that we can be a part of each other's lives. And so on and so on. And I'll go into a little bit more of that. But close to God equals transformation. Close to God equals transformation. Turn with me in the Bible, if you have a Bible, or swipe with me in your little phones, or look on the screen with me this morning. Oh! Tired of getting rebuked at home. To Psalm 63. Let's look at let's look what the psalmist says about, about the Lord. You know, I'm just gonna read it from up there. Psalm 63, middle of your Bible, you can middle and turn and find the big number. Here's what Psalm 63 says. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked Upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, my soul thirsts for you. I hunger and thirst for you, God. I need to be close to you. I want to worship you in your sanctuary. I want to be as close to the presence as I can get. God wants you, me, to be a part of his kingdom. And he wants to weave you and me into the story that he's carrying out on earth. That will mean change for a lot of us. That means change for me. That means change for the things I want, the things I desire, the things I wake up in the morning wanting to to do. It means change. To be weaved into the story of God 
it will require you to go his way rather than your own. And, like I said, this doesn't happen just overnight. There are some things in your life that happen overnight. I clearly just remember having an encounter with Jesus at camp when I was a teenager. Having an encounter and having some of the things that I struggled with as a teenager be rescued immediately. Some of the pain that I had felt as my, in my junior high life was rescued immediately because I encountered the living Christ. And it wasn't because he just fixed it in, this, in that sense. He filled this hole in my life in a way that my actions and response to him were more Christ-like. Now catch that, teenagers, if you're listening, catch that. It's not because God just changed me and made me stop saying the F word. It's because the thing that came out of my mouth was not a reflection of a soul that was thirsting and longing for God. And when I encountered Jesus, that soul was changed in a way to where I hungered and thirst for God. So that each day I changed just enough, just enough so that the things that I said were honoring to the Lord. So my language altered like overnight. Altered, just immediately. God wants each one of us, babies to 80s, to be a part and in the fabric of his kingdom. And that requires us to be different, to be like him. So by making these small, simple choices, we can begin to change our direction. We can begin to change the path that we're currently walking. And as part of that, we start to feel and sense the purpose that God's putting in our life. So the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week, helps and comes along and gives us the gifts to serve in this body, gives us the gifts and the character with the fruit of the Spirit to live out each day. And as we are practicing these disciplines, these spiritual practices, the Spirit of God deepens us into them so that transformation happens. Spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, they always produce closeness to God. They always bring you into the sanctuary every time. Every single time they bring you closer. Now, you might go get up in the morning and do your devotion and have some study or read the daily bread and go, that was not really that fruitful. You might be like me who ran the .25 miles and go, I don't know what I got out of that. That happens over a course of time, and you just will feel the fruit. You'll see it. You'll know it, because proximity is what matters. Spiritual disciplines help us walk with God each day. They help us walk with each other in community. And the transformation does this thing. I need to be able to show you my ears. It helps you hear. Parents, have you ever been yelling at your kids? Not even once. You're yelling at them. You're in their face. You're screaming right at them. And you're telling them exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And they're not hearing a single thing that you're saying. And you're not even upset at their, the thing that they were doing. Now you're upset that they're not even listening. I'm speaking to me. There is no way that my son Caleb and my son Carter, when I'm screaming at them, want to go, oh, Father, I can't wait to obey everything that you're saying right now. 
when they get the, what are you doing? You are so incredibly stupid moment. They're not like, oh, I can't wait to honor you with my act. Our sinfulness creates a natural chasm between our activity and the things that we're hearing that we're supposed to do. So you say and you do devotions and you try this fast thing and you try a little solitude and you, you try to do some of these spiritual practices and you're like, it's not producing anything. Our sinfulness and our, our, the way that the way we're drawn into sinfulness, it closes off our ears and we don't even hear the Father speaking to us. And I'm asking us not to feel condemned, not to feel discouraged, but to say, I'm going to put my gym shoes on again tomorrow. I'm going to put my gym shorts on tomorrow. I'm going to put my gym shirt on tomorrow. And I'm going to shoot for .26 miles tomorrow. Because the more I get close to that treadmill, the more it'll produce the results. I just know it will happen. That's a discipline. That's a practice. It's not a magical fruit that you take and you're done. It's not the bean that makes you go up to the heavens and fight the giant. It is simply a discipline, a practice that you do daily so that you're transformed, so that you can hear. Because hearing, we're going to find out, I think is the most important thing. All right. So I didn't really get into a lot of this, but how do we, how, <laughs> how is the spiritual discipline? <laughs> so here's, here's the, big, the big lesson here. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped one. I turned my page wrong. Why? Why is the spiritual discipline? I've kind of already talked about that. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And I've talked about that verse multiple times. Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I believe. Truly, truly, if you believe in me, you'll do the works that I do. And greater works. Greater works. John 5.19, look with me up on the screen. Turn to John chapter 5. You can put it in a little placeholder in your, in your Bible. John 5.19, Jesus is saying this. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father resides in the sanctuary, in the temple. My soul, the psalmist says, my soul thirsts for you. I want to get close to you. I can only do what the Father tells me to do. And so, when you enter into the temple gates, when you enter into the sanctuary, when you thirst for the Lord, the Father is speaking down to you. And that proximity to him through the discipline, through the practice, through, through in, being in the world, whatever it is, there's so many of them. There's like 17 or 29. 655. I'm not, we're not even going to get legalistic about that. I'm saying the closer you get to the, to the Lord, the closer you get to the sanctuary, the more you can hear, the more you're changed, the more that, that you learn what you're supposed to do. And that is the key because all of us are going, what am I supposed to do? What is the thing that you want me to do? Lord, what are you asking me to do? And I know that some of you are going, oh, great, more things. Great, I get to do more stuff. The church is asking me to do more things. Hear me the right way. This is about your soul being changed and shaped and transformed so that you hear the creator of the heavens and earth ask you, tell you, talk to you, and say, here's what I need you to do for my kingdom. 
See, so many times we start to build up our own little kingdoms. I'm even going to draw a little kingdom up here that it fights against. Look at that, those spires and everything, and then we got a little gate. My kingdom, my kingdom fights against all of those other things and tries to crowd it out, tries to crowd it out. Your kingdom is trying to take territory from what God is trying to do. Your kingdom is actually advancing at almost the same rate sometimes as God's kingdom in your life. I want you to hear that really well. The kingdom that you're establishing in your own wants and your own desires and your own needs and your own like weakness advances in territory oftentimes faster than God's kingdom in your heart and your soul. So how did Jesus fight against that? Jesus was tempted, right? Look out. You can have all the kingdoms of the earth. You can have all of it. I'll give it to you all if you just, if you just renounce God. If you just honor me. If you just. How many times do you hear the if you just in your own life? So how did Jesus do it? How many times do we read in the Gospels where Jesus went away from the disciples? What did he do when he went away from the disciples? He prayed. How many times... After Jesus performed, like even feeding the 5,000, what did he do? He retreated. How many times do you read the stories where the disciples walk upon Jesus being alone? Solitude. Did Jesus do this because he didn't like people? No. Jesus' activity is one that we need to model and copy and emulate. And read it to you again, John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. How does Jesus see what the Father is doing? He goes to him. He talks to him. He disciplines his daily routine. So that he can spend time with him. Exactly right, Steve. That's a discipline. Matthew eleven twenty five through 30, another little section on getting a picture of how Jesus did this and handled this and walked this disciplined life. See, Jesus practiced the spiritual disciplines. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, and all who labor are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and the, my burden is light. Now, you're, the point to hear is 
is Jesus is going, I know these things because I was close to the Father, and I can understand that you want to know these things too. And these things can be burdensome. And many times in the Christian life, what do we do? We continue to add stuff to our list. We continue to add things to the, to the pile of things that we're supposed to do. And we have this laundry list of, if I was just a good Christian, here's how it would look. If I was just a better believer, here's how my life would be. And Jesus is saying, no, your soul thirsts, it hungers, you want to be close to me. If you come close to me, I will take the yoke and make your burden light. See, it's this reciprocal, beautiful relationship that we get to enter into that as we discipline ourselves daily, as we try to get close to the Father, Jesus continues to take the burden, the struggle, the whatever we feel is heavy and take it on Himself. We only have that experience when we get close to Him. Trying to manufacture that in other ways just doesn't work. We have to get close to Him. How? How do we get close to Him? I've kind of shared a little bit of that. I'm not suggesting that we create this old country buffet of spiritual experiences that we step into and get to take a little bit of the mashed potatoes and a little bit of the roast beef and a little that's not how this works. It's not about your taste or your wants or like, eh, you know, here I'll write one. And I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna jump right to somebody's heart right now and make them feel guilty. Sorry, I've had too many conversations with you. Worship is a spiritual discipline. You might not like worship. You might go, I don't want to sing songs. And it's true. Guys walk in the room and they're like, why are we singing? It's such a girly thing to do. This does not resonate with my soul at all. When are we going to shoot something? Is, is our guns a part of worship? Can we kill and eat something here at worship? I get it. Jesus is my boyfriend. is hard for us to connect with. It's really difficult. But it's still a discipline. And that's the idea is we're supposed to be tasting all of the disciplines. You're supposed to be coming and practicing because each one is a guaranteed way for your soul to be transformed so that you become more Christ-like, so that you are entering into a kingdom to where God uses you as a, in his purposes. He gives you a purpose so that you can affect and benefit the body of Christ, so that you can advance his kingdom here on earth. It's all part of a plan that you get to be a part of. And so we don't get to go, you know, I don't really like fasting. It's not that fun. I really need my omelet in the morning. I don't really like giving. It's not really part of my... uh, We don't get to do that. It's not a buffet. We don't get to choose on what we're willing to do. You know, I'll do this one this week. So here's the, here's the how do we do it? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some hard things, I think. Can you really be a follower of Jesus and not be a disciple? Can you really be a follower of Jesus and not be transformed? Can you really be a follower of Jesus and not go all in? 
Do you ask yourself the question, now that I'm talking about spiritual disciplines, are these optional or are they essential? To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. To be owned by your master and to be a disciple. You know the term Christian is only used how many times in the Bible? You guys know? Three times. The word disciples used 269 times. They're synonymous. They're synonyms. They really are. But we separate them all the time. It's time for you, for me, to move from being a Christian to a disciple. Jesus' last words to his people were, what, the Great Commission? Do you know the Great Commission? Go and make Christians of all people. Go and make what? Disciples of all people, baptizing them, teaching them all. Go and make Christians of all people. We're Christians, but are you a disciple? A disciple is somebody who wants to go close to the king, to next to the teacher. Start, if you go to Matthew chapter 5 and look at the Beatitudes, one of the fun parts of the Sermon on the Mount is it says, like in the first verse, 5-1, I believe, that, that the disciples came close to him and they leaned in. They were so hungry to hear what Jesus had to tell them. So from our disciplines and from our closeness and our proximity and our transformation, we begin to hear God. We hear him. We hear his voice. We hear his calling. And here's what's fun. We get to hear his vision for our life. We get to hear his purpose for us. I believe each church has a unique calling on them, a unique expression But we're all called to one common faithfulness. Acts 2 tells us what we're all supposed to do. So we don't get out of this one. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came over every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all things in common. They were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they were received they see food and glad and generous hearts, right? And praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day and those who were being saved. So, yes, we all are required to be a part of the Christian fellowship, the church, teaching, community, communion, prayer, baptism, evangelism, giving. All churches have this in common. But here's where I say each church has its own unique vision and purpose and calling. To where, sure, we're going to do these things. That's just part of who we are. That's part of every church's DNA. It should be. But we have a specific thing that we're supposed to do. Does anybody know our vision statement? We've said it a few times. It has a word in it that's not normal. Fighting forward together through hope in Jesus Christ. Fighting forward together through hope in Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't a vision statement here. This isn't for us to, like, me talk about vision. But fighting forward together is a unique vision for us. The elders and the board have worked to, to say, this is who we want to be. But I believe within that, if you participate in this expression of this particular church, the more disciplined, spiritually disciplined your life is, the more God will get, begin to speak to you on your place, your part, your fit within to, in that vision. I think there's people out there 
who have zero idea of what we're all about and what we're excited about and who we are. And as you encounter them, as you're closer to the Lord and your heart's being transformed, you are naturally going to say, oh, you have that struggle? Let me fight with you. Oh, you have this sickness going on in your life? Let me pray with you and fight with you. Oh, you're hurting? How can I be a part of your life? I've seen time and time again already as a natural expression of who we are that happen. But what I want to do right now is say, as we begin to discipline ourselves, as we encounter the Holy Spirit, like I said last week, as we begin to understand that God has given us, each one of us, a purpose and a spiritual gift to function within this particular expression of our church, you have a unique role here. You have a unique purpose here. You have a unique reason to be here so that we're better. So that we're better at accomplishing what God wants us to do. I know there's all kinds of more words you could say here, like lots. And how do we practice spiritual disciplines? Bite by bite, bit by bit. It's not performance-based, it's proximity-based. Did you hear what I just said? It's not performance-based, it's proximity-based. Closer and closer and closer to the king. We're fighting forward together. Closer and closer and closer. 